Good morning, lovely people. Good morning, the rest of you. Come on. Sunday morning now. Oh, it's fantastic to be with you guys, and uh, I want to thank Barry and Vicky. And uh, can we just say thank you to the amazing worship team? Incredible guys. Amazing people. Well, I'm going to be speaking in a little bit. I'm looking forward to sharing what God's done in my life. And um, I've been a Christian since I was seven. Got saved in Salvation Army. Any Sally Army people in? Oh, one. Kind of Sally Army. Okay. Salvation Army, amazing people. And they taught me to... Um, one of the things I loved about the Salvation Army was that they taught me to... Uh, they, they said I could play a trumpet in their band. And uh, I loved it. I was about seven or eight and... Um, I didn't care about the Baptist church because they didn't have trumpets. <laughs> I'm not interested in, in, your, in your no trumpet church. I want to see a trumpet. And so, uh, and I realized like that God had really, you know, put music inside of me. I want to sp speak to, like if you're under, like if, if you just feel like God is like, has got nothing for you, it's a lie. Um, sometimes schools and things like that, they just, they just don't bring out the best in some people, right? And it does not mean that you are not brilliant at something. God has gifted you at something. I don't care what the teachers or your parents or some other people have labeled you with. God says, God says about you that you are precious, that you are special, that you are significant, that you've got something to offer this world that nobody else has got. And so uh, one of the privileges that I've had of growing up in church is learning to write songs that have, you know, hopefully encouraged people to worship God. And, and um, some of these songs have, have, most of them have been rubbish uh, because that's what it's like. And I've never let anybody hear them. But some of the songs have been a real help to other people. And so I just want to sing a couple of songs. And to be honest, you can sing if you like, but if you don't, that's fine. Um, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm not going to take offense. But, um, but the, the, the most important thing was, like, I had school teachers who told me, don't bother writing songs, right? Because the best songs, I'll never forget his name, the best songs have already been written, he told me. Yeah. He's supposed to be a teacher. He's supposed to be helping. <laughs> and he was a music teacher <laughs> as well. And, you know, there's... We, when God begins to do something in your life, it almost looks like opposite of what's going on around and about you sometimes. And that's all right, because that's what that's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is often opposite to what you're going through. What's going on in your heart and in your life as you're sat here today is often opposite to what, what God is wanting to do in and through you. Some of the things that you're facing and your challenges will oppose it, but it does not mean that those storms like we've talked about today are going to overwhelm you. In fact, like Barry said, you go deeper into what God's called you to do and who he's called you to be, and you'll find that you'll be busting through storms. So one of my greatest privileges, right, was I just came back from Nashville, which is like the, you know, center for doing all musical things. And um, I went, went to see my mom and dad. I just made a record with all these amazing Nashville people, completely freakish, like how God made it all happen. And who should be in the coffee shop but my music teacher? Oh, I was looking forward to seeing him. 
So I said, uh, he said, and you know how some teachers can be like this. I'm sure there's no teachers like that in here, but some teachers are a little bit condescending. And they got, he said to me something like, all right, trouble. You know, and I'm like, number one, I'm not trouble. I'm a blessing. Number two, bring it. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit's like, son. I'm like, all right. All right, I won't. And he said to me, where have you, what are you up to these days? And I could, I, oh, I so wanted to do some sort of mental crazy dance up in his face. We'd get my shoulders going and, and do a Beyonce or something like that. And just say to him, but I actually humble myself before God because I fear God more than my music teacher. And I said to him, I've just come back from Nashville. And you should have seen his eyes. They were the size of them lights like that. He just was like, what? I said, yeah, I've just made a record in Nashville. And um, he just didn't know. He, he couldn't. It, none of it could compute with him. He didn't know what to do with it. And I want to say to some of you, like, if you do what God's called you to do, God will lead you into places you, you feel, number one, you don't deserve to be. Number two, you never expected to be. Number three, you're going to confound the people who said you couldn't do it. I want to say, like, this song that I'm about to sing with a couple of, we wrote with a couple of mates has had something like 100 million views on YouTube. 100 million views. That's like Bieber territory, that is. I am not that clever. I am not. I'm not that good. I'm not. It's the grace of God. When God wants to do something, he's going to do it. And I want to say that over you today. What has God put in your heart and in your life? that you are saying, ah, I don't think it can be done, but God is speaking to you about it. So, oh, oh, throw me, oh that was clever. Do magic as well. So, you all right? You all right for a bit of harmonica on Sunday morning? Any Bob Dylan fans in? Oh, there's one, two of us. Awesome.
bless your name this morning. We thank you that you are above all, in all, and through all. There's nothing that's going on in this world that you're not aware of and working behind the scenes. There's nothing that's going on in our lives right now that you're not in some way involved with and ready and willing to do something about for a proactive and a great reason. God, I pray for those of us who are wrestling darkness and difficulty or disappointment or whatever it might be this morning, Father God, that we would fix our eyes on you, the one who started it all, the one who ends it all, and the one who will finish the work that he's begun inside each one of us. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. I wonder if I could have a bit of help. I've got a lot of stuff. Thanks, Chief. You can carry that. Will you look after that for me? Thanks a lot. Don't sell it. <laughs> Cash converters is not open yet. Where did I put my Bible? All right. So. Uh, Hello, there we are. Amazing. Well, it's a mega privilege to be with you guys because, like, I have forgotten that conversation, Vicky, but, um, but you know, I want to honor Vicky and Barry for stepping out into doing things that have never been done before. And God loves that stuff. And we're about just to do, me and Claire are about to do something that's never been done before, too. So, just want to honor you. Can we just stretch your hand out? I'll tell you what that means. It doesn't mean anything weird. It's not like, you know, the emperor from Return of the Jedi where the electricity is. It's nothing like that. It, all it is is just saying, we stand with you guys. So we just stretch out our hands like that. One is fine. Two is, you know, don't make you double magic or anything like that. It's just, <laughs> just really great. We just want to, God, I want to thank you for Barry and Vicky for the amazing family and the way that they're raising their kids. I pray blessing on them. We pray provision for every good thing that they've got in their hearts to do. I pray for wisdom as they build teams and work with people. I pray for provision and finances. And I pray uh, with the authorities and the government and, and the governances and the local authorities and the planning permission and everything that needs to go on. I pray, Father, that you bless them, surround them, put a protection around them. And let them know that you're with them, that you're for them. And get, infuse them with a supernatural strength and energy that is unlike anything they've seen before. May 20, the rest of 2018 be absolutely outrageous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for praying. So, I create mess everywhere I go. You should see our house. Sometimes I'm like, who's done all this? It's me. I've done it all. I've just, I've just lived put my plate down, put my book down, put my Bible down, put my stuff, just it's like a tornado is at our house. So I better introduce myself because some of you are thinking, who's this nutter? <laughs> my name's Matt, nice to meet you. And uh, I, I'm married to one woman, which is, you know, the best way. And um, for 20 something years, she's not here, so I can just make the number up, but it is around 20 years. The good thing about being married to my wife which none of you get to do, by the way, is that uh, she doesn't remember how long we've been married either, which is awesome. <laughs> so I never get in trouble for not really remembering. The main thing that's important is I know how many children we have. That is important. You do need to know how many kids you have. Yeah, and I know their names and their ages and their birthdays, so it's all good. So we have an 18-year-old called Judah, who's, uh, who's just a joy. He's a drummer. 
I'm the genius physicist. He comes down to tell me interesting stories about maths and physics. I don't even know what he's saying most of the time. I just say, sounds amazing. And uh, we have a middle son, Samuel, who's 16, who's like, um, his middle name is Reese, R-H-Y-S, which, which means Lord, and he is like a Lord. He's like a boss. Everywhere he goes, he wants to be in charge, make things better. And we have Gracie, who's, though she be small, she be fierce. <sighs> she's got this look where I feel like she's managing me. She's nodding and that, and she's doing the things that she thinks I want her to do, but I, I, I know she's doing, like, management on me, and, and she's no intention of actually doing it. So, but she's amazing. So we love our kids. We've been married for 20-something years, and uh, we're about to jump off the edge into what God's, we believe God's called us to do, and we're going to plant a church in Manchester called Kingdom Company. That's the first time I've ever said that publicly. Yeah, feels good. And uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit today about from the book of Matthew. If you've got a Bible, listen, I cannot overstate enough how important the word of God is. I cannot, I I was thinking about it this morning. Oh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so, there's so many things in there that are so helpful and so life-changing and life-defining for us. And as we learn to, to, to read it, don't be intimidated by the Bible. You can get these apps. Uversion is a great app. You can get an app for free, no money. I love, I love no money. I love not spending any money. And you can go through and have somebody help you read the Bible and understand it. Do it every day. Do it every day. It will change your life. It will change your life. I want to encourage you. I want to read you a story from the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 13. I think it's going to come up on screen. Tracy, thank you so much. Tracy's on the back desk. Everyone give it up for Tracy. She's awesome. She's crushing it. But I want to tell you a story before then. So I don't know if anybody in here, and I'm not asking for a show of hands, but has ever had anxiety attacks or panic attacks. And for me, I used to have a lot of them, and, and especially through my 20s. And um, um, I got mugged when I was a student. Guy put a gun to my head, well, towards me. It was the worst mugging you've ever seen in your life, right? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had horrible things happen to you, but your brain at the same time isn't really taking it in. Does that ever happen to you? So a guy was in Liverpool, and um, I still, yeah, still see it, was it uh, near Menlove Gardens there in Egbeth. And a guy pulled a gun on us. It was the worst robbery ever. He pointed his gun at like, a, a sideways. Like he, and I remember thinking to myself, mate, this is Liverpool. You're in English. Hold your gun properly. What do you think you are, flipping L.A.? That's not, it's old your gun like that. And the thing is, he'd just seen us about five minutes ago, and he'd asked us the time. And so I'm like, I said to him, I know who you are. I've just seen you. Hold your gun properly. You, this is not a proper mugging. You need to do this properly. Because, you know, you just, your brain just doesn't really compute things. And unfortunately, sometimes things happen to us that we can't really explain, and they don't register with us mentally, but they hit us somewhere in here. And sometimes it's not until we're later in life that we realize, it's truth, man. Sometimes we want to reach out for a relationship, and then we don't trust people, and we don't know why. Why don't I trust? Why don't I want to? I know you keep saying, come to life groups. I know you keep saying, open up for prayer and do different things. I there's something in here, just I don't know what. And sometimes there's things that have happened to us that our brain 
has just swarmed on and has not allowed us to really understand. And our life moves on and we just carry on and we just, we just crack, crack on, we say, in where I'm from, crack on. And we just carry on. And then before we know it, we're like, our life's not really panned out in the way that we wanted it to do. And, and, and we've got some consequences. We've got some fruit of some things that have got a root somewhere else. So one of the fruits of that whole experience for me that was awful, and although I make a joke about it, I, it, you know, I more laugh at my own brain, the way my brain processes a mugging. Who else would want to correct the armed robber on how he holds his gun? I mean, it's like, what is that? Control freak times 10, you know. But it actually left me with a series of panic attacks, anxiety attacks. I became like agoraphobic. I wouldn't go out of the house. I only ate satsumas. I don't know why I only ate satsumas. <laughs> but you know, when something bad happens to you or you do something bad or something bad happens to you, a trauma or a difficulty or a challenge, what happens is we're left with consequences. Yeah. It's on us. Yeah. Isn't it? You know what I'm saying? And sometimes it's, Something that happened to you and it's through no fault of your own, but you got some sort of like splashback or shrapnel that just, ah, what is that? So I'm on my way to uh, like fulfill a dream, like I just said, 2009, me and uh, a friend of mine were going to Nashville to make this record, this worship record. And I uh, wake up uh, having slept a little bit on the plane. I wake up having a panic attack. In, I'm having a panic attack as I wake. Now, if you've ever had a panic attack, you don't have to show hands, but it feels like you want fresh air and you want to run. You just need some space. You need to be outside. Well, I'm in a plane. <laughs> there ain't no outside. Outside is minus 70 degrees Celsius. It's a bad time to have a panic attack. You're surrounded by 300 other people, socks and feet, and horrible. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Nasty little toilets, rank little plates of food. It's just, and I'm on, and my mate is a hairy man, you know, and he's next to me, and he keeps touching me, and it's like, get off me with your hairy arms. It's just freaking me out, right? All my anxiety is building up, right? <laughs> Sorry for hairy people in here. You, you're totally, it's totally fine to be hairy, just... Just be, just be careful with your hairiness, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Upset people with your hairiness. I wake up and I'm having a panic attack, and a panic attack is like the world's going to end, things are going to fall, think you look like you're in a black hole, your heart rate is up, you sweat, you just can't get, can't get your breath. There's this fear, there's this dread, there's this thing, this is, what am I doing? This plane's going down, this plane's going down. You don't want those thoughts on a plane. So I, I'm thinking, I've got to get out of here. Part of my brain is in panic. That's what's called a panic attack. Your brain and your heart is just going, do something to survive. So I spy a fire extinguisher. Sorry, enough, no, I'll leave, no, I'll, I'll just leave the tension in the room. I get a fire extinguisher, I think, that would fit through that window. Imagine. And then I, at some point, the ha, part of me that's not in panic attack goes, Matt, don't use a fire extinguisher to smash your window at 35,000 feet. You, your life as you know it will probably be over. And so the only thing I could think of to do was go to the toilet, those little toilets that are like that. And I sat on the seat, and I just tried to control myself. 
and I've seen it so many times, you've probably had it too, you'll be on the edge of doing something great for God, or you'll feel like there's the pull of the future. God is calling you to do something. God has put a dream in your heart or something that you deep, deep down want and know that you've been called and gifted to do, and then something happens, and you just think, why now? Do you know what I mean? Why now? I'm about to get married. Why did my ex-girlfriend show up and start throwing loads of stuff on Facebook? I'm about to buy a house. Why did it, all this stuff happen to me? I'm about to make some new friends, and I remember all those things and the people who've let me down. Yeah? Is it just me? Oh, good. Otherwise, that would be a rubbish message, wouldn't it? It would just be me talking to me, and you all watching me and going, look, get off. This has got nothing to do with us. We're fine. You carry on with your panic attack. But you read, we know, this is the stuff that, 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 there's things in our lives God's calling us to do. Come on, i got stuff for you to do. Come on, come on, there's more for for you. And you're thinking, but why now, why now, why now when I'm not right? Why now when it's chaos inside? Why now when I'm struggling with this stuff in secret? Why now when there's all this chaos going on? Why now, God? And I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that talks a little bit about that. And this is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. I want to explain it to you and help you understand some of the values that God has got ahead for you, but that, that the worth and the value that he, he, uh, he confers upon you today. You ready? Yeah. Right, let's read. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Will you put it up for me, Tracy? We'll skip the first slide and just go to the, to the scripture. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Wow. Sounds like action, and it's action-packed, and there's lots going on there. Let me explain a bit about what's going on, a little bit of context. I love context. Context explains everything. You know, when you have your kids, they're arguing, and the first thing you want to know is, what's the context behind this argument? Because if I jump in this argument right now, I'm going to just maybe pick the loudest one to win. But I need to know context. We need to know why that's going on. We need to know the significance of certain things. So let me talk to you about Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is now in Syria, but it was in the very north part of Israel, as was, it wasn't Israel then, but it was in the very northern part of the area where the disciples lived. And Caesarea Philippi was a well-known place where um, basically all kinds of horrible things would happen. There would be sacrifices to different gods, and there had been a temple that one of the um, local rulers had been to Caesar. And basically, Caesarea Philippi in Warrington and Manchester terms is this. Caesarea Philippi was like Amsterdam. 
Some of you are young, too young. Ask your mum and dad. But listen, <laughs> you go to Am- some people go to Amsterdam for the canals. A lot of people go there for other reasons. <laughs> electric flapjacks, things of that nature. Some of you are like, electric flap? Never mind, ask your mum and dad. Or oh, ask Barry, he probably knows. <laughs> Cheap gag. Sorry, mate. All the kids are like, Mom, what's an electric flapjack? <laughs> there was naughtiness, all kinds of naughtiness. There was sin. There was awful stuff. No self-respecting Jew would ever go to Caesarea Philippi because it was the center of pagan worship. There was all kinds going on. And in the middle of Caesarea Philippi was a big, great big rock with a great big hole in it. Tracy, if you could put it up, that'd be awesome. It should be appearing on the screen there. Is it there? I can't see it. Let's, is it up? So that was called, guess what that was called? Any, any volunteers? The locals called it the gates of hell. I think this is amazing. So what would happen was that the locals would worship one of their deities that they would believe give them fertility. They would basically put animal sacrifices and others sacrifices in this hole and down this very deep well. And the locals were terrified of it and they called it the gates of hell. And one of the, the gods that they worshipped was the god Pan, who's half man and half goat. Right? Bet you never expected to hear that this morning when you left your house, did you? Oh, that's interesting. A half man, half goat. Pan. You've probably seen him in movies with little flutes. Don't Google it. It's horrible. I'm serious. Don't Google it. Just take my word for it. But the idea was this. It's amazing to me that, that, that Jesus takes his disciples all the way to one of the most intimidating environments that they would have even known about, to ask them this question. Who do you say that I am? And then they said, well, some people on Facebook are saying you're Jeremiah. And some people on Snapchat and Instagram are saying, you know, well, you might be the son of God, you might be Elijah, we don't know. But I want to say to you today that there's some darkness that we have to face. There's some, there's some intimidation that we have to face where we have to get to an understanding of who Jesus is for us. That's right. That's right. So I'm sat in the plane on the toilet, seat down, obviously. Oh, horrible places. Train toilets, any public toilets, horrible. I won't, no, I won't go there. So thank God for my self-control. It was in that moment on the plane that I had to really understand who Jesus was to me. Why is that important? Because I began in that moment in the plane to begin to call out in the name of Jesus. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, it was partly swearing. I was so cross, I partly swore, Jesus, like that. Like you say, oh, Jesus. Like, and the more I began to pray and the more I began to understand and the more I began to call on the name of Jesus just verbally Jesus 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 you can feel it in the room Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus there's authority in the name of Jesus the name above every other name the scripture says the name above every other name or everybody one day will bow to the name and the authority of Jesus. And amazing, I find it amazing that Jesus took his disciples, teenagers, to this place of such fear and such intimidation, such evil, such horrible things going on, to say, who am I to you? 
Why couldn't he do it in Jerusalem? It's a three-day walk, some historians and theologians say. And the only thing that we are recorded in Scripture is that he asked them one question, and then they turned around and walked off. Did anybody not just find that weird? All right, Chief. Amazing. But I want to I let you keep reading down, and I want to show you what Peter said by the Spirit of God, by a revelation of God. It's really important for us to know when we face dark times. It's like this. Blessed are you. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter looked past the intimidation of the cave. He looked past the, the surroundings that he found himself in, and he saw the person of Jesus in the midst of it. Because he could see that's I know who you are. I know where we are right now, but I know who you are in the midst of it. Wow. And look what Jesus says to him. Think about this. Jesus didn't go high fives, let's go, well done. This is what he said. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't shown to you by flesh and blood. Like your mates didn't tell you. God showed you that. I want to submit to you that maybe the darkest, toughest stuff that you and I face is a beautiful opportunity for God to show up who he really is. And so maybe far from running from a storm and from a darkness and far from being intimidated by the things that we face and our challenges, we go the opposite direction. We say this, oh great, evil, this is an opportunity for Jesus to show up. Oh, that's painful and horrible and difficult and unpleasant. What can I do about it? I can call on the name of Jesus. It's not like, yeah, yeah. Listen, I had a very little Jesus in my mind when I was growing up. And it has been some of the darkest moments of my life that shown me how great Jesus really is. I want you to understand that the most, you know, you might be under crippling debt. You cannot get a job for love, no money. You, there's so many things that seem immovable to you and so difficult for you to get past. And I want to say to you, stop looking and focusing on the dark things and start, start imagining what life could be like when you invite Jesus in the midst of it. Because he's not afraid of your darkness. He's not afraid of my mess. He's not afraid of my sin. He's not afraid of my chaos. Even the thing that you and I don't want anyone to know about ourselves, he's still not afraid and he's still not intimidated by that. He specializes in taking chaos, evil, sin, and somehow through his power and through his ability, begin to shift and change it to work it out for good. I want you to know every single person in this building to know that. Each of our situations are significant and, di- and different, but Jesus is the same in every situation. He doesn't have favorites. He does it for every single person who calls on his name and who comes to him. That's good news. Good news. And this is what he says to Peter. And on this rock, basically on that confession, on that understanding, I will build my church. So if you want to know how to build church, how to build family, on the confession of your faith. That's why we sang we believe. That's why we believe is such an important thing for us to be knowing. It's because when we, when we say what we believe, when we declare what we believe, Jesus does incredible things through our declaration. 
And he wants to show up in your life and invade the darkness and increase his peace in your chaos so that the kingdom and this church can begin to advance through that difficulty that you're facing. Imagine. So this guy who mugged me, right? 18 years, I have this anger thing inside me. I nearly hit a couple of mates over the years. Oh, fella, how are you? Nice to see you. What's going on? <laughs> I nearly hit a couple of my friends through temper tantrums. And uh, a friend of mine said to me, you need some help, Matt. And I said, no, I don't. I'll be all right. I'll just push it to one side. I'll just squish it down. I'll just push it over there where I don't need Jesus. Because I'm a bit embarrassed to talk about that thing. I'm a bit embarrassed to bring that to the light. I don't really know what to do. I'm a pastor, and I'm wrestling with anger and losing it all the time. How embarrassing is that? Like in my line of work, you might lose your job. You know, Anthony Joshua gets paid millions for it, but in my line of work, you might lose your job. And he said to me, an older friend of mine, he said, you need to forgive that person. You need to forgive that person who mugged you. And I said, I don't want to do it. He said, why not? I said, he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. And my friend said to me, withholding your forgiveness from him is keeping you in chains. It's like drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies. You have to forgive this person. And do you know what happened? I chose to forgive that person. I chose to forgive the man who mugged me. And God gave me an understanding that I had been defending myself for years and years and years. And, and I'd built up a persona where people would keep me away when I got angry and they'd leave me alone. I was like a tiny little incredible Hulk. I'm not very big. Tiny little incredible Hulk. I used to have this face. Don't. And what happened was when I forgive that person, the Holy Spirit showed me that my safety was never in question, that he had protected me all that time. And I cried and I cried and I felt this weight come off me as I stopped. I learned the value of I don't have to defend myself anymore. Jesus defends me. He, he may have he, he walked with me through the darkest times of me going through all this difficult stuff. And, and he, he, he led me to a place where he showed me himself in the midst of my darkest moments. And I want to say to some of you, you don't have, I felt so strong to tell you this this morning above anything else. You don't have to defend yourself. Jesus will defend you if you let him do it. How do I know that? Because this is what he says to Peter. On the, the gates of hell, the gates of hell, and he's standing in front of the gates of hell. How swaggy is that? Do you not think? You're standing in front of the gates of hell saying, oh, these jokers? No, these jokers are not going to overcome what you say about me. You can stand in front of the darkest, most difficult things you've ever faced, and you can confess and believe in the name of Jesus, and you can watch him and the increase of his government of peace come into your family like never before. You have to begin to open your mouth and begin to declare. That's why this worship is so powerful. It's not just karaoke on a Sunday morning. This is spiritual stuff, man. What we're doing in this area and in your lives is creating an atmosphere and an environment for the truth of God's word to take, to take root and, and the truth of God's word to begin to change the way that you and I think about ourselves. So I'm sat on the plane in the toilet and I'm just saying, Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus. I can feel hair start on the, on the back of my arms start to go up. 35,000 feet up in the air. Jesus, Jesus. I have no idea what people outside were thinking about me. I had to call on the name of Jesus. Otherwise, I was about to throw myself out of a plane. And the Jesus who stands in front of the gates of hell and overcame the God Pan. You know what the Pan, do you know the Pan God, where we get that root from? Panic. Panic. Jesus defeated panic so that I could defeat panic. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He stood in front of the gates of hell and said, bring it. So that I could sit on a plain toilet, 35,000 feet up, and say, bring it. Because Jesus has already won this victory. He's delegated the authority to me, and now I walk in his authority. Isn't that unbelievable? I will give you, says Jesus to Peter, and we're closing. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind on earth, which basically means whatever you let go on, wherever you allow to go on, basically is what Jesus is saying. I'll let you do it. Wherever you stop going on, I'll give you the authority to do it. See, there's people in here, you're trying to get off stuff and away from stuff in your own strength. And Jesus is saying, you don't, it's not going to work. It would have worked by now. There's something deeper that, God, that Jesus wants to do. He wants to show you the authority and the power that he carries. He wants to represent you to, to your enemies. He wants to stand in the gap for you. He wants to show you his power and his ability. His arm is strong, says scripture. His arm is strong, which basically means Jesus is saying, look at my muscles. They're bigger than yours, and they're bigger than the enemy that you and I are facing today. Don't stop trying to do it on your own when you know that Jesus, we understand that Jesus has defeated hell itself and given us authority to do the same. Can you believe that? Whatever we allow in our families is up to us. But now we have the ability through Jesus to say, no, I know that the doctor's report says this. I know that the school report says this. I know that my music teacher tells me I'm not going to write songs, but by the Spirit of God, I say, God's called me to write songs. And they will travel around the world, and they will be a blessing to millions of people. What has God God said to you? Do you need to begin to stand up in the authority that Jesus has delegated to you, that you can begin to push back that darkness that seeks to intimidate you? By the time I left that toilet, plane, plane toilet, I was like, there was a big queue because obviously a lot of people have been waiting for me while I'm interceding. <laughs> but I had the victory, man. Here's the truth. I had the victory before I went in. But I, I understood my victory by the time I left that toilet. And I want to say to you that in your darkest two o'clock in the morning moments, when you think nobody's looking, when there's nothing going on and you're being tempted by that same thing over and over again, this scripture teaches us that that Jesus has delegated all authority to us to be able to push back the darkness and the difficulties that we face. We are now righteous because of his love, but we have the authority and the ability to push back. No, I'm not going to believe that. No, I'm not going to watch that. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to choose that. 
No, I'm, I'm going to switch off Facebook. No, I'm not going to respond to that comment. No, I'm not going to slag off Donald Trump. Don't need to. No, don't need to. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. I'm going to pray for Donald Trump. That's what I'm going to do. Do I like his policies? No, I'm going to pray for him. Because I can't do anything on Facebook. I can go to a higher authority. The family situations that are swirling around and about us, I can go to a higher authority. We had a situation with our oldest boy. He's really, really smart, really clever lad. And he was really struggling to fit in. And God gave me a picture as I prayed for him that he was like all these bats around his head just pecking at him and nibbling him and, and getting on him. And, I, and, and Jesus said to him, you have the authority over his life. You're his dad. <laughs> Go praying for him. So I started to say, thank you, Jesus, for Judah. I bless him. Thank you that you've gifted him, that you've called him. Thank you that you've set him apart. Thank you that you've, you've, called him, you've called him by name, that there's something incredible on his life. And I push back the enemy of darkness and I say, no, you will not have him. And he will find a place. He will have friends. He will find his fit. He will be significant and accepted in the kingdom. I began to speak like that from authority. I don't always do that. I don't want you to think I'm some sort of spiritual superstar. But I, I do do it more than I used to. I want to encourage you, as we sat with the teachers, seven of them in a row, completely intimidating, trying to intimidate us because they didn't know what to do with Judah. I already had a strategy of how to help my son because God, who sits above, encircled on the earth, all authority of heaven, had already spoken to me about what we need to do. And I want to say to you today, whatever the cave, whatever the intimidation that you're facing today, Jesus has delegated his authority to you. He has won the victory and he is asking us to get involved in extending that victory to the people of Warrington. Amen.